The first annual Grenache Fest is in the books. That's a wrap. The event was incredible, and it got me thinking, how do we keep this Grenache party going? Well, I'll tell you how. Grenache study. Yeah, we are going to uh, study Grenache, but not like we used to in high school. This is more going to be a bunch of really cool people getting together with some really cool bottles of Grenache. And one of the best things about Grenache is there's Grenache Noir, Grenache Blanc, and Grenache Gris. So we're running the whole spectrum of wines here. Um, If you want to be in the know on the upcoming Grenache Study events for 2024, go to GrenacheStudy.com and get on the list so you'll be the first to know. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the wine consigliere and a partner at the Bedrock Wine Co., Chris Cottrell. Uh, His early foray into the finer side of consumables was through food. It was inspired by shows like Great Chefs, Great Cities, and Good Eats. Uh, To earn extra money while in college, he found a stock and delivery boy position at Pet Wines, which was a small neighborhood store on the Upper East Side. Uh, 18 months later, Chris sought out another store and found the newly opened Crush Wine Co., where he worked from 2005 to 2013. In 2011, Morgan Twain Peterson called Chris and said casually, we should make a wine together. And that conversation led to Under the Wire, a partnership project that focuses on single vineyard, single vintage sparkling wines inspired by the Grower Champagne movement. And then shortly thereafter, Chris joined Morgan formally and became a partner in Bedrock Wine Co. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Honored. Humbled. This podcast is amazing. Thank you for having me on. Man, thank you. I'm glad we we freaking to do this finally. It's so funny. Just, um, you know, uh, big fan of what you guys do. Thank you. Um, and I know you guys have a podcast. It's really good. Thank you. We don't have the consistency that you do because that's hard. Yeah. Well, you have real jobs. You got you, know, you, you make a wine. You have a real, have a real job too. Yeah. I thank you, but I I I love this is a real job. It is. It is. Thank you for saying that. Um, talk about the wines we have with us today. What we're gonna start drinking? Can I pop it? Pop it, baby. Before the pour is over, let's do the pour. Okay. You chose. There's. I brought, of course, more wine than we could ever consume because yeah. we make a lot of different wines, but. Um, I'm popping Under the Wire, which is our sparkling wine project that we started. You said that. Mm -hmm. And this is the first vineyard we ever made bubbles from in 2011. It's Brosseau Vineyard. So Chardonnay, a.k.a. Blanc de Blanc, Mm because this is done method traditional. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I didn't put Blanc the Blanc on the label, which probably was a business mistake looking back because people are constantly like, oh, I've never had a sparkling Chardonnay. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. when have you ever seen that, right? I don't blame people for not knowing. But yeah. 19, planted 1980. Vines, like 1,800 feet in the Shalon AVA. So that's nice. like um, pretty That's historic. Chardonnay royalty. Um yeah, definitely. I think originally planted to grapes in 1919. Mm, God damn. Um, so yeah, first vineyard um, that we ever worked with. And then we ended up, I don't know what the count out count is at now, but it's, we worked with probably 10 vineyards or so around the state. Cheers. Right on. Cheers. Salute. Lodosage, uh, mm. 2018, great, long, cool vintage. Um, this wine will probably get better by the time we end the podcast than it is now, which no one thinks about with sparkling wine to like let them open up. That's very, I mean, yes. And that's what's been really cool is. Oh, it smells good. Yeah, it does. The movement away. I had a, my guest last week, we were talking about champagne flutes and why that was such a dumb idea. That persistent. They look good. Uh, yeah, but. Sparkling wine also just be a celebrating drink. You don't have to like nerd out on, you don't have to nerd out no, on man. It's but like, yeah, I prefer yeah. generally this. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not going to lug four different wine glasses in the city, so it's a pretty good. It's a, pr- it's a great glass. Good, good glass for. Uh, when they get r- like a big burgundy glass, that kind of pushes it for I me. love those, but they break too easily and yeah. they're, just, they're just like, yeah, you know. But um, awesome. So let's start at the beginning, man. Like Biggie says, so where are you from? <laughs> Born in Staten Island. Uh, I would say my origin story of where I grew up is like bridge and tunnel base of New York, uh, which is sort of, I don't know, that was sort of set as a negative thing growing up. But So New Yorker adjacent, Warwick, New York, which is like an hour north of the city is where I really grew up. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you're on the, <clears throat> I always say, you know, stat line should be part of New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> you go, you go totally. Warwick is on the border. Right. Of yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's right there. If I can go over to Outer Bridge Cross, and I know it. And all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah, he's from uh, he's from Shaolin, straight from. So you should have said straight from the Shaolin. You know Shaolin. That would have been dope as fuck if you came out. Shaolin <laughs> land. Uh, yeah, when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of talk of Shaolin land. Uh, I think I discovered Wu Tang Clan was from Staten Island when I was probably like. 13. Yeah, because that, I mean, they kind of broke. So 90. 94? 94 is when they really hit. I mean, obviously, people don't understand there's a big underground before people become big, but like yeah. 94, so that'll put you about 9, 10. Yeah. Yeah. So that was before I was listening to Wu Tang. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what's it like growing up where you're from, man? I mean, Staten Island is a complicated place when I was growing up. Okay. Um, great pizza. Um, good people there, but it's a little isolated. Mm-hmm. That's why my mom was really amazing because she she was born, bred there. Uh, my dad too, um, and but my mom was really good about like not being isolated on Staten Island. Like, there's people on Staten Island that like do not go to the city. You know, Manhattan being the city, right? And yeah. my mom was like, "No, we're gonna. It's right there." It's a free ferry. It's a free ferry. Staten Island it's ferry. Beautiful. It's a beautiful ferry ride. It is. People t- when people go to Staten Island, they take the ferry and they turn around and come back. 
one of the most beautiful things we did was I was going into the city and the sun was setting off all the buildings. Yeah. It's insane. That sunset when it's yeah. downtown? Yep. It's Unbelievable. Gorgeous. Yeah. And it's one of those things like it's great to live in the city, but like living in Hoboken or Weehawk and like all these places now, Jersey City, which were like shitty. You I was know, in Jersey City this week. Which were shitty back yeah. in the day. Then people were like, oh, fuck, you got the better views of the city. Yeah, <laughs> and you can get pour over coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what pour over coffee was until I was like 24. <laughs> but I mean, I know until I was like I mean, that's the thing about New York, though, right? Like, it's it's a metropolis. Right. Like Those Mount Olympus blue cups, 50 cent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, uh, mom... Brought me into the city a lot. So, like, Matt plays. She really was good about... I fell in love with New York. Like, Manhattan, New York. Very young. And that was, like, my goal. Yeah. In my whole... My whole... Through high school, I was like, I'm going to go live in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... That's a... That's a... Um, it's also a Jersey thing. People are like, oh, I'm going to live in New York City. You know what I mean? For some people. Yeah. Some people love... Staying. No, I know, but I mean, for like, I think creative people, right? Like, sure, know. yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with everybody's got to do them, right? Comfort zones, I get it. Yeah, but um, where I grew up in Warwick, it's staggeringly beautiful. Like now, all of a sudden, upstate New York, like an upstate, like some people would be like, that's north of Albany, but like north of the city, not Westchester, but like Orange County, that's where. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it's beautiful. But like growing up, like there was it wasn't like now all of a sudden like there's like the Hudson Valley, it's like a hot spot mm-hmm. for people to like go to, and it was a little bit less known, and that's why my mom moved us up there because good schools. Okay. Um, not that PS twenty six in Staten Island wasn't a great school, but um, you know it was affordable. No, yeah, um, it was affordable for a professor who ultimately later in my life became a single mom you know we could live a really comfortable life there so yeah i was going to ask you so um how many siblings do you have only child only child okay all right i won't say what my mom calls it <laughs> one singular sensation <laughs> which i hate <laughs> oh I yeah still don't like oh see that's from the christopher um, and yeah that, you know that's from uh only my mom can say those things what was that it was a broadway show yeah, one yeah, yeah. singular yeah yeah, yeah, yeah bob fossey yeah yeah, yeah. bob fossey Okay. All that jazz, which she probably took you to go see. Probably. We saw a lot of good theater growing up. Not to go on a tangent. I'm good at no, tangents. No, I love this is this is where we we go on tangents here. So I was gonna say, so your your mom was a professor. Yeah. Okay. Um what, what was she what was what did she profess? Well, she didn't start off as a professor. Like no. she didn't go from college to being a professor, but okay. occupational therapy. Okay. So what was she doing while you were you were a kid? She and on staff before you moved up. She worked as like an occupational therapist with like patients, Mm -hmm. meaning occupational therapy. Like people don't. No, I was gonna say please explain that because everyone knows uh, like physical therapy. Exactly. You know, you break your, you screw up your leg. Yeah. Occupational therapy is like a lot about. It's a cool career, and they're always cool people. If you ever meet an OT, hang out with them. It's like, hey, you had a spinal cord injury. You now have to live your life without walking. How do you do that? You know, how do you live an independent or as independent of life as you can 
with your limitations that you have. And that she went into that because my her brother had a rare disability called Friedrich's ataxia, which not very well known. But basically, back then, you know, when he got diagnosed when he was ten or whatever, um, it was kind of a death sentence. Mm. And it was like you start out like walking, and then all of a sudden you decline. Um, so originally she wanted to be a doctor to like cure the world. Mm-hmm. And then she realized that a more practical way, I think, to make people's lives better was through helping them. And you know, it, it can apply to mental health, it can apply to physical disabilities. So that's what she did. Um, she was focused more on mental health stuff, okay. that sort of side. Yep. But then I think when, you know, I think the, she went the professor route because I think it was a little bit, I don't know, I'd have to ask her, but I think it allowed her a little more time to hang out with me, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Something like that, consistent schedule. Yep. Probably a little bit more money, but mm-hmm. like not much. Professors are still very underpaid, teachers in general. Teachers for sure. I I mean, I don't know. I have some friends who are professors. They did okay. They, did, they do pretty well? They did yeah, okay. Yeah, my mom's doing great now. Yeah, you did okay. Yeah, she's doing great now. Yeah, yeah. but um, that's cool. So um, how old were you when you, you moved upstate? Okay. Okay. So you had a so that's a long time. So you spent yeah, like ten own. years. Yeah, it's your childhood, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, a lot of families still in Staten Island. Yeah. You know, so going back there all the time, and my dad, you know, kind of was there for some of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that bridge and tunnel life. Yeah. No. For Always sure. trying to go to the city. Yep. Yep. All right. So, um, what town were you in up in the Hudson Valley? Warwick. Okay. So it was Warwick. Okay. Okay. Right. And so what's that? What's the, the the most popular city now near Warwick? Maybe Warwick. I was gonna say, or is it, or is it itself? I don't know. Yeah, maybe Warwick. Okay. They, they have a drive-in still. Oh, nice. So like, it's a destination. Is it like a Stewart's? Is it an old-timey fifties? I don't or know. Or is it we, well, it's like drive-in. What are our drive-ins not old-timey? Yeah, they can I think they I mean, but Sonic has drive-ins. I'm like, no, like a <laughs> oh, like a movie drive-in. Yeah. Oh, they have a movie Mo- drive-in. Movie drive-in. Uh, like they still have a drive-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, that's yeah, dope. no. Okay, no, not I, a McDonald's. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going drive-in. Well, we have a drive-through. I was talking to <laughs> the guy who is runs our distributor. You know, that was immediately when I first started talking to him ten years ago. Mm-hmm. He's like Warwick. Oh, I go there all the time for a movie drive-in with my kids. Yeah, it's like put it on the map. Yeah, that's there's like a cool. It's like a weird. It's a. It's like a little art. It's a enclave. Growing up there, philosophical. Sure, there was kind of two sides of Warwick. Yep. Blue collar. Yep. Firemen, cops, very similar to Staten Island. Because mm-hmm. I think it's like the pretty much the farthest north that an FDNY or NYPD can live. Can live right. There's this like line. Yep. That you have to be close enough to the city. Yep. But then yeah, like Sugarloaf is next door, which had like a theater. Mm-hmm. It had a main street. My mom was stoked about like there was actually like a main street. Yep. It wasn't just like. Jersey, yeah, every has town a lot of has, strip has, malls. Has, has a, and every town has a Broadway or something, but right, like, but, but this actually old like time Americana, yeah, like you know, pizza shop, stores, shop. small businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, it's a, it's a beautiful town. Yeah, but it was also like, there was like a, you know, it was a little delayed in sort of its development as a play. Like it wasn't, it just had two sides to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking cool. And like what, and so. Great childhood. Yeah. So like, 
playing in the woods, woods. catching fireflies, <laughs> fishing. Like what was? I mean, that's what I did when I was like 10, 12 years old. We just catching fucking fireflies and. I've caught fishing. fireflies before. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Try and play me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the wine? Oh, you see, I'm getting some more. Uh, it's pretty delish. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's so funny because bubbles are interesting. Okay. To me, um, they got to be good. Like there's, like I'm, I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a prosecco man per se. There's something about prosecco. Sure. That doesn't, but a great. Well, Reventos, not really Cava. Reventos is fucking sick. I just saw Pepe and Spin. Did you? Yeah. 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 Reventos is insane. A really good, like a Schramsberg, a Iron the, Horse. Yeah, like, the original. You guys are doing the originals. Come on, man. Iron Horse, shout out to Iron Horse, man. Yeah. People, if you don't know about Iron Horse sparkling wine from fucking Sonoma, yeah. Little, psh, so good. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, Schramsberg is any sparkling wine operation that makes good wines. Like, it's a hard wine to yep, make. Yep. I mean, I think that's why Morgan was like, really at first like we can't do this right but then got really excited about it because it's a very complicated wine to make because literally it's two fermentations yep you know so it's but yeah i mean good sparkling wine is up there with the delicious all the great wines mm -hmm. and this is a really textural site you know like we the other the second vineyard that we started working with is alder springs yep a little more mendocino like, yep northern northern mendocino they get bear damage up there and like Alder has like a cut to it. Mm -hmm. Like this is more like granity, mineral textured. Yeah. So I think like there's kind of it's either the day of the week you want to drink Brosseau or Alder, or generally someone has a preference of the style, which yeah. is you know kind of the whole point of the project. Right. Which um, did you guys? You, you uh, I assume you friends with Michael Cruz at some point. You guys friends? Yeah. I mean. More than friends? There you go. Okay. Can we be more than friends? You can be more than friends. The secondary fermentation starting in 2013 yep. is at Michael's place. Okay. So base juice at our place. Got it. We truck it 20 minutes away in barrel. Yeah. And then he does his Michael Cruise. Yep. Gets that secondary fermentation. Nice. Because he's the best at it. Yeah. No, because I was thinking it, it's... It's cruise esque is what I was thinking. It's like it's really... It's at, okay. And I and I said that by saying just... just, just, just the quality levels. I mean, you know, yeah. I you mean, know. yeah. He I mean, he's he's wine. he's become like the cult sparkling wine maker. I mean, like I said, we talked about Shrams. The, the only yeah, yeah. the only truly cult sparkling wine because right, a yeah. cult wine. I feel like now, like what you sell the wine to the mailing list for, right? Does it go for a lot more money than that price, right? And like, if you want it, you can get ultramarine, right? But you're gonna pay a markup. For yeah, it. we had him. I had. Well, I, I know. Him. I know. I, you I, had and, him. and I love him. And he was saying he was like, first time he saw his wine getting flipped, he's like, what the fuck? She <laughs> <laughs> was like forty bucks a bottle. He was selling for one hundred and twenty-five. He's like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. Now it's more. Now, now he's like, I gotta raise my prices. Yeah, and you gotta close that gap. You do. You know, like right. you a gap is good. Right. Right. Like I think selling your wine for less than what the quality is. Like giving people value, whatever that means, whether it's a ten dollar bottle or a hundred dollar bottle. But like, yeah, it's good to have people. I mean, it's complicated. It's hard. It kind of is a burden, probably sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. And and it's what you said is so true. Um, Sam, we talked about Sam Guattari in the warm up. He said the same thing. Like when they came out with the Auditet. Yeah. 
he's like, I don't know, can I charge $85 a bottle for a wine we made? Pricing wine is really difficult. Right, and that's what, and it's just, we talked, we flipped on me, it's like confidence, right? Like, it's a whole. But also what the market will bear. Yeah. You well, know, sparkling, yeah. Wine, sparkling wine is still a really, outside of Ultramarine, is a really harder thing to sell in the market than, say, a Cabernet. Goes to what I said, because you can buy an inexpensive Cava or an inexpensive Prosecco. I don't know how they make money. And, you like, know. Like, I, Pepe's wines are, Reventus is yep. underpriced. I know. Masta Serrao. I don't roll my R's very well, but the old vines, 80-year-old vines there, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. But, like, yeah, how they're regular cavas, whatever it is on the shelf. Yeah. Same it's thing with Schramsberg. Rotorer. Like, fucking, yeah, and let's not talk in about. In California. California Crystal, Rotorer State, Anderson Valley, that shit. And that, that's the regular. And then you have the Hermitage from them, which is was, was 40 bucks back in the day, which was sick. Yeah, now it's more expensive. I'm sure, because I'm, I'm, I told you I'm old as fuck, bro. I mean, would. <laughs> Vuv was, I like, feel old Vuv was like 35 bucks when I was in the business. That's the thing, out. though. I feel old as fuck, too. Like, I never thought in 10 years from when I left Crush to now. Yeah. I would be, I joke about this all the time, but I'd be doing that. I remember when. Right. You, you, you get to that point. It's I'm 10 like, years. Damn. 37, about to turn yeah. 38. I used to work with kids, and I was like, oh, man, my pop culture references, they're, 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 they're just, <laughs> they don't work anymore. Can we talk about you these goddamn be on 80s movies and you shit? You got to be on TikTok. That'll oh, keep you up. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah sparkling wine's hard to sell and it's expensive to make yeah it takes a long time to make the kind of sparkling wines and, and so I mean this is our new release uh, 2019 we just released but 2019 so why did you guys take it on like was it was it a buzz drunk totally. phone call well like, oh, yeah we loved when we first met when I was 18 quickly Morgan started teaching me about wine and along with the, the manager of the store that I was stocking shelves at because luckily they had a very European sense of the drinking age, as I always say. Um, and like one of my first loves was sparkling wine there, because it was all grower champagne and Dom Perignon. And this and is Krug. and and what year was this? Two thousand four. Right. So this is this this one. This is the beauty of getting older, because you remember things. And you're like, do you more? Well, you remember like <laughs> when 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 grower champagnes. Really yeah, became I get what, what you mean. When when. Oh, I'm gonna trouble, but when natural wine kind of meant something, and it wasn't, it didn't get too. That term has changed a lot. Exactly, right? Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, um, that's what I mean by that. So, yes. So, but yeah, when one of our early loves together, like okay. that, we shared a passion about was grower champagne. So you, this was you were 18. So you did make it to the city. Where'd you go to? Where'd you go to undergrad? Baruch. Baruch College. I know Baruch. Yep. City University of New York. Dated a woman from Baruch when I was in law school. Amazing school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what dropped you, out though? You, okay, cool. That's fine. What were you going to major in? Uh, political science and and/or philosophy. Oh, you were you you were going to be a, a lawyer. 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 Yes, that was the plan. Why would you? Why did you want to be a lawyer? First of all, what why, uh, what made you think you want to be a lawyer? People told me they thought I'd be good at it. Uh, and. I actually ended up when I was in college. I, I did take a lot of like I more had a problem with like getting my chemistry checked off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I did actually like reading like constitutional law stuff. Um, but my what I really wanted to do was go into like civil rights with a focus of disability rights law and like advocate for people with disabilities, kind of continuing my mom's 
sort of tradition of that. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the honor of my uncle. Got it. Very cool. So you're at Baruch, uh, and I said, to earn extra money while in college. <laughs> Which part of my job? My first career or my second your, career? Your first uh, one. Uh, pet wines. Well, maybe we've been for one before that. Oh, well, yeah. Let's back up. Because you were upstate. You're living upstate. You're yeah. 15. I mean, I started working you you, know, when I was 12. Like you had worked at a where was tire it? shop, okay, but the craft a restaurant, beer. and then a beer store. Okay, a beer, beer store, store when I was yeah, because beer store. Yeah, because liquor and beer have to be sold in two different places. They like, did back then. I think still they changed that. No, did they? In they New did York? change it. They did change that in New York. Why like back in the day, that? you couldn't sell. I remember liquor. when I was at Acker ninety eight, you couldn't. You had, you you could sell liquor and wine, but you couldn't sell beer. I think it's still that. Is way. Is it still that way? I think so. Shit. I'm in California now, but you I'm in Jersey too. I don't fuck. I tell people. You can get better wine at a gas station in California. You can get it a lot of places. Depends in, on the gas station. York City. There's one in Sonoma, Jack's Filling Station. That's great wine selection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So beer could be sold in grocery stores or a quote-unquote beer store. Right. Okay. And then liquor was at – and wine was at a liquor store. Right. So I worked at a beer store and, you know, cigarettes and soda and that sort of thing. Okay. And this is like what year was that? 15, 15, so 19, 2001, 2001, yeah, 2000, 2002. Okay, so craft beer was full on exploit. Yeah, that well, it was called microbrews. Yes, I remember microbrews. I was magic there for hat. that magic hat. <laughs> when was the last time you thought about magic hat, dude? I remember when <laughs> when Sam Adams and Pete Wicked Ale were that was, the microbrews. They yeah, were there. That's that was that's where it started. I was, you yeah. know, and then at a Roundack uh, Brewing Company, yeah. Yeah. I benefited a lot from people being kind of probably too chill about underage drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was very positive. Beer store job when you're 16 in high school. Oh, that's like you're the man. I don't know if I was the man, but I got invited to a lot of parties. You're the man because <laughs> you could get us beer. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but yeah. you, you were the man. It was good. It was like, it was, it was, it was, it allowed me to oh. navigate a lot of different groups of people in high school. It just had a flashback to like super bad. You ever see okay. super bad? Michael Sater. Oh my Way God. back in the day. I haven't seen it. And here. what's the, the other big guy? Anyway. Yeah. They Jonah told, Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. They were like, yeah, we can get beer. That's how they got invited to the party. Yeah. yeah. It's a good. It's McLovin. A good, he had to, he had, even in your adult life, if you have a good wine cellar, you well, yeah, you people, of, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's called a social lubricant. Maybe. Yes. That's why we drink on the podcast. <laughs> Let me have another. Set. Get y'all liquored up. <laughs> This is fun. Good. <laughs> Supposed to be. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're at the craft beer spot. Um, and for me. I mean, they I, also sold a lot of Budweiser. Yeah, well, of it course. Stacking. Like you said, it was blue collar. Yeah. Blue collar powder town. Yeah, that yeah. job was very blue collar. Yeah. I saw, you know. Yeah. You yeah. saw it. Saw a lot of hardworking people yeah. who needed a beer. Yep. Totally. Um, what was some of the beers? Because beer got me. It was microbrews, because that's what it was called. Tommy, yep. so kind of led me to wine. So yep. for me, it was like Lindemann's Lambert. I was like, oh, this is different because it had a cork. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or you could see wines with the cork. Actually, Allagash. Like, Allagash came out. Allagash. Um, what was like some of the ones that really, because you were into flavor, you were into food already. Yeah, yeah. I well, I liked cooking pretty young. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like it. Guinness was kind of like this eye-opening one, mm -hmm. very like culturally, yep. you know, have Irish heritage or whatever. 
Um, but your mom's and, Italian, right? Could, could no, be. she remarried, so that's where the Castaldi comes okay. from. Fleming is her Oh, name that's name. very, that's a white name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it is true. Scott? Yeah. My name's White Taller. You look up Taller, it's British. I'm like, you know, you're black. Someone white owns someone <laughs> in your family, so... <laughs> <laughs> Just facts. Uh, but yeah, Fleming, so yeah. Guinness, Tetley's, mm-hmm. um, Magic Hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then also like 40s. Yeah. A lot of 40s. Yeah. So kind of like kind of like my food taste now. Okay. Like omakase, but also like Taco Bell. Yeah. They're both good. Yeah. 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 They are. They both have their time and place. Yes. And Taco Bell's usually 1 a.m., Stoned to bejesus and drunk out your mind. Unless you're, yeah. Or on the road. Yeah, you, if you're driving, driving yeah. Yep. In and Out is my go to. Best like, burger I'm in America. I try and explain to people why this. People go, eh, look, I like Shake Shack. Yeah, I like, but, great. but, but the, like, I mean, it just went up. Like, it's like, what, eight bucks for the fucking meal, the double double fries and a drink? Sparkling wine and In and Out. Making money, if you're making money at either of those, like how does In and Out make money? I, d- I mean, well, they're scaled. F- family owned, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they, you know, um, but it's that, very affordable. That I burger, love that. yeah, me too. Because it's also a democratic thing, right? Like yep. you can see, it's like the subway in New York, right? You can, you can be Anthony, the most famous chef in the world. Yep. Or you could be. You could be. You oh, could. You could be a, a, a hundred millionaire Wall Street guy. Yep. And you get on the phone. So we know what. Yep. You know, as long as people don't understand what a card it, what, the, what the watch is, or but like yeah. you, you just get on it. Like the, yeah. you never know who's on the subway with. Never you. know who's in and out. Yeah, and and and, and in and out's the same way, right? And yeah. and like I, tr- I'm for all the people. I love this because people. Hopefully, people will comment. I'm like, okay, it's fresh beef. It's fresh potatoes. You got everything's fresh. I hate their fries. The fries suck. They suck. Because they don't fry them twice. They need to fry them twice. They need to soak them and fry them twice. And they, even like, they're like, they oh, just, get it well done. It's yeah, not the no, same. No, it's not. They, they just pull them and throw them in. You I got, think it's the visual effect, right? Yeah, but. but it's a show. But you still got to get the, the soggy kind of wimpy fries. Yeah, your burger. Bad. Um But that scale, that burger, it's amazing. Um I digress. So yeah, so you're gonna do a lot with that. Talk. Yeah. I know it's okay. This is how these are my favorite shows because we have so much to talk about and there's no one coming in after us and like there's times when I'm worried and I'm like okay, um, and I'm not looking to fill up a certain amount of time but I'm like okay okay yeah okay we're gonna we got we, we got a good ninety minutes in here I'm gonna be like okay when do I take the break when do I do this when do I do X Y Z um, <laughs> so um, started cooking when you were young. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Um, what was it? Were you really the type of kid who was in the kitchen with your mom? Yeah. Yeah. More of my mom was also like, just like she was good about taking me to plays and museums. Okay. And then taking you to dinner afterwards or? Yeah. Like she would find the spot, you know, that was like a good value, but also like was kind of crushing it. Or like literally cut out coupons of like back in the day when that was a thing, like get a free appetizer. Mm-hmm. But at a good, like a legit restaurant. So yeah, I... I got to experience eating out because both my mom and my dad love going out. Like, I think that's a New York-y sort of thing, right? Like, you go out to eat because there's so many good restaurants here. Yeah. And it's culturally, I think, part of it. So, yeah, we went out to eat a lot. So then it's like, oh, wow, how do I cook that? My mom's a good cook. Yeah. So both. Got it. I love And then, like, you know, I don't know why I started watching these TV shows and, like, PBS when I was really young and then like the Food Network came out 
you know, and then it was like, I don't know why I loved it so much, but it just like fascinated. The Food me. Network was actually a Food Network when when you were younger. Yeah, like what did it like '99? Like that was Emerald. Like all of a sudden, Emerald. You had um, Alton Brown, AB, Good Eats. Yeah, Good Eats. Yeah, that was like um, sciency and that like again. Like, yeah, I, but I mean now it's God bless Guy. He's a fucking I marketing love guy. genius. I love Guy. Um, guy is yeah. Small business advocate. Exactly. And did a lot for restaurants during the pandemic. He's a great guy. But it's all now it's all competition shows. Like it's just, yeah, which I'm not as into. I'm not as in, But then I'm sitting there on the couch with my I'm like, why are we fucking watching this? Like we just can't. There's something about it. I by thirteen, that's when I really started being like, Okay, let me learn how to cook. And maybe it was partly motivated by like my desire to like eat good food that I've cooked. And also my mom was working pretty hard. So like if I could cook myself dinner or even like cook dinner and then like leave or some play for her yeah. you know like that was a, that was cool and i really got into it you know famous stories that for my 13th birthday i asked, I asked for an all-clad pan so i could build a proper fond <laughs> for deglazing no nice. shit <laughs> nice. i still have it too that's awesome yeah, um, yeah, and then I read, and then you sent me the link. Um, also, something a sushi kit or something. Right? Yeah, fourteen was my grandmother got me a sushi kit because I nice. wanted to learn how to roll sushi. Nice. I remember when I first tried to make fresh pasta, my mom was like, "You can't make fresh pasta with just eggs, flour." I was like, no, that's what it is. That's that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that until I was older, but you, you know, she's like, "Pasta, you go buy it. it's Ronzoni, yeah. <laughs> or you get it from the Italian spot, yeah, yeah, where they have the fresh pasta, right. and like that's like a special occasion, exactly. Right? They know? made it themselves. It's hanging, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's so funny. If you grow like if you grew up in Staten Island or like Warwick or kind of any of the like Italian food, yeah, like that it, Italian American food was like pretty high up there. Like that was probably the it, cuisine I most like it experienced was for a long time. But then like the Parm brought it back, right? Yeah. It dipped. Yep. And then Parm made it cool again. Yeah. And Carbone made it cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything goes, everything goes in cycles. Everything. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I got into cooking. <laughs> and then it was good for me trying to like woo, you know, show off to the girls like, you know, 15, 16. Oh, oh dude, come over. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, let me cook for you. <laughs> and that's at 15. You didn't figure out at 15. I had figured out at my 20s. Guitar too. Try and, I, but I'm terrible uh, at guitar. I cannot. Yeah. I wish, you know, that's when you like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guitar, I know. Did you cook growing up? Yes. Yeah. What was your go-to food that you cooked? And was it like your mom cooking? Um, like, how did actually, you learn how to cook? when I was growing up, I liked to bake. Okay. That's I was more a, science. Right? I was a baker I'm for a long a time. Uh, just because, like, I liked chocolate chip cookies. So I was like, oh, I can read. Get the Nestle Toll House. Yeah. And you get and get the and my mom would get the fork and or the knife and level it off and yeah. sift and all that. It yeah. was it was like it was like science to me, which I kind of realized like like science. I'm a weird person, not weird, but interesting. Um, but I loved baking, so I did a lot of baking, and I was like so good. Like I was like baking cakes for people at the church. And I had my aunt, my aunt, my aunt Virginia told me what she said. She said she said she said stop baking cakes for these women they need to be baking their own cakes because this is old this is like you know this is like my man's old school you okay. know what I mean? this is this is the 80s was it like a gender thing like yeah, it was probably it's, it's the 80s man so yeah my aunt, you know like she grew up women cooked men didn't cook unless they you know men, you know chefs were a different level but most men didn't go home and cook when i was trying to explain warwick culture a lot of Warwick culture was like in the like still in the seventies, right? Exactly. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. it was like behind the times, right? In a lot of ways, right? 
Um, so I get that. Yeah. So that that you know. So that was that was. It was you know. weird. Like my I, my dad didn't want me to get. I wanted like the cooking station thing, like mm-hmm. Fisher Price, when I was like. Five. Yeah, no, that's a girl's toy. And my dad was like, no. Yeah. And my mom said it was the greatest regret of like my childhood. Yeah. Maybe is that she didn't like. So right. Fuck that. Like. Right. Because there who was. Cares? We grew up. There was boy toys and. Yeah, toys. I got the workbench instead. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that into. <laughs> it's true. No, I know, but it's so yeah. But so I baked, and then when and then I, I when I really learned how to cook was I did one like when I was twenty one I worked one you know I worked just one summer in a restaurant had never done a short order cook learned how to handle a knife yeah. learned some basics you know not, it's like a ninety day crash course yeah and then you know I knew how to make shit and and then you know that, that was it but once I knew how to hold a knife once you know how to hold a knife then it's a good start yeah that's I worked at a restaurant. And uh, Warwick for like I don't know four months, but then the beer store thing came through. Nice, and that was easier. Right. <laughs> Restaurants are hard work. No, th- I know that's that's. I tell that to people. I say that. I emphasize that in episodes, like when Assam comes on or somebody a restaurant. I'm like, I know those movies. They were great. I love those movies. But you need to understand, being a Assam and a Michelin star restaurant. First of all, it's like the NBA. There's only like thirty of the freaking jobs, right? There's not a whole lot of jobs nope. in the world. And then two. Like you see some of those documentaries, and like, fucking, there can't be a wrinkle in the table. The napkin has to be like it's 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 no joke. It's not like I have this not you have this knowledge. But you also have this passion for perfect the pursuit of perfection. Yeah, but I mean, there's sommeliers that find a balance, but it's hard. No, yeah, I, I but yeah, I would I I couldn't be a sommelier. I, it's, so I'm say I say it out of respect. You know I, what I'm saying? Mad respect. But also now they're like GMs too. Yeah, like there are very few people that are like they're. Only thing is one. Oh yeah, no. That now, doesn't like now. You have to be. You have to do the accounting. You have to manage. It's it's now th- three jobs instead of one. Right. So it's not as sexy. But anyway, so um, beer job. Um, how long did you work there? Do you work there like fifteen through high school? Through high school. Okay, yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Must be. Chris, can you get some kegs? We're having a party. Never kegs. Never kegs. Just, uh, okay. Never kegs. Thirty packs. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, you're going off to the city. You're going to school. Woo. I know you made it. Right? Made like, it. Um, Eighteen, ready to seventeen. Seventeen. Because the cutoff day back in the day for school in New York City was December thirty first. Okay. So I went to kindergarten when I was four. four. Okay. And they yeah. could have. My mom could have held me back. Right. But she was like, eh, No, no. Why? We can always hold them back later. Exactly. No, you know. I yeah. So you. my first semester in college, I was seventeen. Wow. In New York, living yeah. on thirty. Fourth and eighth. Wow. In the New Yorker Hotel. Wow. Because Brute didn't have dorms. It's a commuter school. Mm-hmm. But there was a company, I don't know, that did like student housing. And they had three floors of the New Yorker Hotel. So I lived in a hotel room, essentially, with like a little. It's kind of what, what a dorm is, bro. <laughs> yeah. Little... Actually, the New Yorker is probably cooler than a dorm because a dorm is built by this, you know, these, these are contracts that go, right? So. You have your quad where four rooms and you have your common area. There's no kitchen in a dorm. Yeah, technically there was a kitchen there. You had a kitchenette? No, not in the room. No, okay. it was like a hotel room. I would okay. wash, like, I had a microwave that I snuck in. Of course. And, like, washing dishes in the bathtub. But, yeah, there was a technical kitchen, but, like, shockingly enough, like, a bunch of 18-year-olds did not take care of that kitchen. So wow. it was not useful. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It was a, I mean, it was also weird because you're, like, Going to school and then it's like a lobby full of tourists. 
Yeah. You know, it's just a weird place to have your first semester of college. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? No, I, I think about it, like, yeah, that's very, that's, that, that's true. That is. But then I turned second semester. Um, I didn't like it there because it was small. And uh, yeah, they had some weird rules. And my mom was like super chill. So we started looking for an apartment. And then I got an apartment in January of 2004 for my second semester. And like, that was awesome. And where, where was, where, what neighborhood were you in? 39th Street and 3rd Avenue. Wow. Fifth floor walk up. By far the best apartment we sold, uh, saw. The second running had, the runner up had a shower in the kitchen. Um, that's, that's city living. That's city living. Stretched to twelve fifty a month. Yeah, um, that was like a big stretch, but it had good light, real closet, pretty big kitchen. I was by myself, just no sink in the bathroom, but like whatever. Mm, yeah. So brushing your teeth. You in can't the have everything. Can't have everything. Where would you put it? Um, I lived there until I moved to California. Holy rent, shit! Rent stabilized. Oh, that see that's the. For you guys who aren't from New York, that's the thing, man. I could the, walk to school, and then when I got the job at Crush, I could walk to Crush. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, you find these people who work in the wine business retail, and it takes a while. And then, listen, I don't know if you ever can really make any money. But the bottom line is, like, how do you afford it? Like, oh, people are like, oh, my, my family has this, like, rent-controlled apartment. In the village. <laughs> you know, shit like that, right? Like, we pay $700 a month, you know, because we got it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh. And I'm, you know, and, and like, I went to, like, you know, like a liberal arts college. I'm yeah. smart. Where'd you go to school? No, I went. I'm talking to some people. Oh, okay. I went to state schools. I went to. I graduated from Southern Connecticut State, which is in New Haven, and yeah. then I went to Rutgers for grad school. Cool. My Rutgers is a really. They're both good schools, but yeah, public um, school all the way though. But yeah, I'm public school kid all the way. Um, Me too. You know, uh, I would have liked to have gone, but I I didn't know about liberal arts colleges really when I was growing up. I was an athlete, so I just went. The first school I went to was a D1. That was a small liberal arts school, but I went there because they gave me a partial scholarship. What did you play? Track. I was a runner. I was fast. Cool. Um, Middle distance, 400, 800. I never was a runner. (laughs) (laughs) Never, not even a restaurant? You never never ran no food? No, yeah. (laughs) I did that, yeah, for that four months. I did do that. Exactly, exactly. Um, So, yeah, so you lived there. And this, I love this. How did you find your first job at Pet Wines? Craigslist. Which is still around, but like Craigslist was like, I can't even say it was Google before Google, but Craigslist is where you went to find shit. Anything. 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 Anything on Craigslist. Yeah. yeah. Um, the most important thing I ever found on Craigslist was one job. Yeah. Changed my life. Um, and who, who, who would that? Uh, uh, Kopech? Who ran that? No. Uh, Phil Kodak. Phil Kodak, yeah. Kodak. Um, yes. He ended up going to Skernick after the store closed for many years. Yeah. Yeah, he changed my life. Um, Hired me at 18, just turned 18. So what do you have? Like, so it's Craigslist. You, 10 bucks an hour. You called, the, you called the store or you went in? They called me. Okay. So I, you put email, in, you, I guess I emailed them. Email, yeah, okay. I probably emailed them. I, it's funny. I was at Chamber Street yesterday and uh, – applying to a lot of different jobs because I couldn't get a legit job when I was 17 because no one in New York, like in Warwick, smaller town, 
you know, I worked at a tire shop when I was 13. That was totally Dude, illegal. that is so illegal. So OSHA illegal. violations out there. You have no idea. <laughs> like, it was such a sketchy place and job. But, like, friend of my dad, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I was just in Chamber Street and uh, Wines, one of the greatest places in, to buy wine in the world. And uh, David Lilly actually called me first. Okay. Because I applied to Chamber Street. Okay. And then, like, David Lilly started, like, being like, so we focus on a lot of Louis Dresner wines. Do you know who he is? And I'm like, no. Because no. I knew nothing about wine. Right. But luckily, Pet Wines was more uh, looking for a delivery person and a person to stock the shelves, right. which I can do. Nice. Stock shelves at yeah. in high school. So I went in there and met with Phil. And I guess I had a good interview. And then he was like, yeah, I think this will work out. 10 bucks an hour plus delivery tips. And he was like, by the way, how old are you? I was like 18, and I always look older. That's also one of the things about me. Like, I lost my hair when I was 16. Mm. And I, you know, I think it was actually a benefit because I didn't have that, like, midlife crisis. Right. It was just like, oh, shave it. Yeah. Sink or swim. But I looked older. So he was like, you're 18? Which happened many more times in my life of yeah. people assuming that I was older. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, got the job there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, first week, you know, kind of clicked, right? Everyone has that story about wine. And with me, with Phil, he was tasting with some distributor because Phil was a geek. You know, this was not a liquor store. This was a wine mm -hmm, store. Mm -hmm. Every wine was hand-selected mm -hmm. with a handwritten note by Phil about what it was. And he pulled me over. And he was like, taste these two wines. They're white wines. Totally different. And he goes, they're both Chardonnay. That one's from Chablis. That one's from California. I was like, wait, what? Off to the races. Nice, nice. You know what? Off to the races. This is a good time to take a quick break. So we take a quick break. We're going to be back with more of Chris in just a second. My love for Grenache is unabashed. I have no shame in my game when it comes to the world's greatest grape. Uh, if you want to take a deeper dive into uh, this incredible varietal, uh, you should go over to GrenacheStudy.com and get on the uh, email list. That way uh, you can find out about events that will be happening around the country and very soon around the world. Just go to GrenacheStudy.com, enter your best email address, and I look forward to drinking some Grenache with you in 2024 and beyond. Okay, we're back. So off to the races, you're at Pet Wines. It's like 18 months, and this is actually a good time. What should we uh, drink next? Old Hill. Let's do the Old Hill. Right, that's the one you pulled? I pulled Old Hill, yes. Because uh, you're a Grenache fan? I am a Grenache fan. So this isn't – Grenache is the second most important variety in this vineyard. It's a field blend of, I don't know, 35 varieties, 30 varieties. Vines planted in the 1880s, the oldest vines going back then. Zinfandel, Grenache, and then a bunch of other stuff. All picked together, co-fermented. Oh, beautiful color. It's a heritage wine. Um, oh, I guess I have to drink yeah, this. There's no oh, you can, you can yeah. jump in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Uh, uh, one of the great, greatest old vine vineyards in California. I... Love this place so much. Buckland uh, family owns Old Hill. Will Buckland. Will Buckland, yep. And his wife, Lizanne. 
I adore this place. It's uh, three miles north of the mothership vineyard of Bedrock. Mm-hmm. Bedrock Vineyard. Yep. But different soils, different varietal composition of the field blend. Based around, both based around Zinfandel. But if we open this, uh, the Bedrock Heritage, you'll see, even though they're so close, they're pretty much completely different wines. I mean, there's a kinship there, because, right. but, and I'm getting married at Old Hill. Very nice. In May. Nice. So that's how much I love Old Hill. Sweet. Do you drink a lot of Zin? I don't drink enough Zin. Zen is was was what got me really into red wine. <clears throat> really? Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your gateway. That was my gateway. Who's? Turley. <laughs> I mean, an amazing wine. I started at Acker. I knew nothing about wine. I knew John Capon. He was starting to take over the business, and and uh, you know, all I knew about I knew whites, and I was like, wait, it's a red grape. Like that's like you know, no one. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people, people don't have no idea. I mean, Joel, Morgan's dad, jokes, you know, that he was answering that question, shocking people. Right. It's like me with the Chardonnay Blanc de Blanc right. thing. He was, for sparkling wine, you know, deep into the 90s, if not oh, 2000s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People were like, this isn't Zinfandel. It's red. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Weizen saved a lot of old it vines. It saved a lot of old, and it saved, it did save a lot of old vines. Um, Hard one to make, too, according to Morgan. Well, if you want to make a, a, a rosé of Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. With the right amount of sugar. Yeah, Eau de Lulu. Shout out to Eau de Lulu. That's more Vedra and Grenache. Uh, but it is a rosé wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see it being hard, but Turley started making a white Zin a few years ago. Yeah? It's fucking good. I always forget. Does it say white Zin on or is it, it just does, a white no, label? No, they say white Zinfandel. They do. They're very, very uh, it's conscious. Delicious. It's delicious. Um, so that being said, uh, loving the nose on this. And unfortunately, Pet Wines closed. Yeah, lost their lease. As happens in New York. Classic. And Crush had just opened. Yes. Yeah, or, or, yeah, because I had a job. I was sad when Crush clo- or uh, when Pet Wines closed. Because that's where I met Morgan. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. So how did you meet Morgan? Because that was actually... He was working part-time there while he was in grad school. Okay, so where did he go to grad school? Columbia. Okay, fucking smart, dude. Master yes. in Columbia. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, he's, I don't even know. Brilliant, <laughs> kind. I can't. He's an amazing person. I'm really lucky to be best friends with him and business partners. This is him. fucking, I know this is young, fire, but it's right? yum. It's fire, dude. It'll be better tomorrow. Um, uh, dude, You're going to take it home with uh, you and drink it tomorrow. It's insane, though, right now. Um, so okay, so Morgan was out here. Tell people who Morgan is, because there's actually I have all range of people. So obviously, my winemaker friends are gonna know who Morgan is and who his dad is, Jules. But tell people who Morgan is, your partner. Morgan Twain Peterson grew up in Sonoma. He's his dad and kind of my, I don't know, third dad yeah. or was Joel Peterson of Ravenswood Winery fame. Uh, we're talking iconic in the 80s, single vineyard, kind of him and the turtle, create, kind of created this whole single vineyard Zen. The three R's is Zinfandel. Yep. Ridge, Rosenblum, yeah. Ravenswood. 
shout out to Dr. Kent, and we'll give we'll give a nod. Hey, Jeff, I know you listen. Shout out to Jeff Cohen, who made a lot of those Rose and Bloom wines later on. Good man. He's a good guy. Jeff is like the nicest guy in the fucking totally. business. Anyway, so yeah, that Ridge, Rose and Bloom, and Ravenswood. And then that grew, yeah. too. It started, you're right. Like it, People think of Ravenswood as like gas station wine. Yeah, that's because it got sold. Yeah, but $10. But back in the 80s and 90s, Joel was making some of the best wines Dude, in California. That, that's like Acker had an evening of just Ravenswood. Mm-hmm. It's like eight wine. Monterosso, Dickerson, Old yep. Hill. I mean, just don't, don't. Old don't. Hill. That's why yep, it was Old such Hill. an important. Yep vineyard for us convinced will to sell us fruit which took a little bit uh <laughs> but yeah so that's morgan grew up in sonoma yeah uh made his first wine when he was five with his dad uh you know grew up in sonoma wine culture but his joel and his mom were very cool chill people joel worked his ass off that's the thing like joel was working two jobs so morgan also saw the work ethic. Work ethic, exactly. Morgan has an insane work ethic. Um, but then, like, he went off to college at Vassar, mm-hmm. kind of wanted to go to the East Coast. Yep. You know, it's weird, right? Like, people from New York want to go to Cali. Yeah. People from Cali want to go to New York. <laughs> Greg Bruin saved some of the things. And he thought his father taught at Yale. So his parents got divorced. So he thought Fancy. He thought he was going to get into Yale. <laughs> he didn't get into fucking Yale. Oh. But he wanted to come east because he lived, he lived down in L.A. He wanted yeah. to come east. Yeah. I get it. So Morgan came to the East Coast for yep. college, ended up at Columbia. He was When I met Morgan at 18, he was planning on becoming a history professor. Wow. I was planning on becoming a lawyer. Yeah. A couple left terms later. Um, but so I wouldn't call it a rebellion, but Morgan kind of was thinking he was going to do something else. And then, you know, got his grad degree. And then I think kind of was like, yeah, this wine thing is actually, rather than like trying to hustle to find a history professor job, which is hard. It is hard. And publish or perish. And you publish or perish, yeah. And you don't get to necessarily pick where you live. No, you, you have to take jobs. And you know what happens when Californians live on the East Coast, particularly northern East Coast? They miss California weather. I mean, yeah, it's great. I miss California. I was on it for 10 years. I got to get my way back. I miss New York winters. You're here at the right time for it's me. It's perfect for it's me. Autumn's perfect. this is this is this is October. MJ, you know, I this, caught this the is, week, dude. You did catch the week. This is the fucking week to be here. <laughs> Fuck New York wine experience. It's it's the fucking <laughs> weather. You know, it's raining today, but still, it's like the last it, three days though. We're but, like, but it can be like seventy, and then it goes down to fifty-eight. It's fucking perfect. Dragging a bag exactly. for the last three days in New York. Yeah. <laughs> perfect weather. Yeah. Um. So. So. But so he, yeah, Morgan grew up in wine. And then decided he worked Harvest in 2005 at Ravenswood. 2006, he went to Lynch Bage uh, to work there for Harvest. He made a stop at Tampier. He then went to Australia, worked to Harvest there, and then came back in 07 to start Bedrock in a 500-square-foot 500, converted chicken coop as a one-man show. But he just came to the store looking for wine is what happened, right? Yeah, he was there to Because Columbia's on Upper East Side. Yeah, and make some money and get discounts on wine. Okay, so he actually worked there for a little bit too? Morgan at Pet Wines. That's where I met him. He worked there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's what we, we yeah, his interview was easier than yours. Hi, my dad's Joel Peters. <laughs> oh, Morgan, again, he has a crazy work ethic. Yeah. So even while getting a grad degree, he's like, oh, I'll work three to four days a week at this wine shop, get Got a little it. cash. New York is expensive. Fuck. 
You always know, has been, always, always will be. be. So having a little bit of pocket cash of and course. getting 35% off wine yep. for his the first ever dinner party I went to, mm-hmm. where he was like, hey, you want to come to a dinner party? It's at his spot. You know, yeah. I was like, Castellet? What? <laughs> it was awesome. Which goes well with like Grenache and or Zen. Castellet would go. I think part of the reason I got invited was I had the good weed. There you go. Well, it's you know that's that's par living in New York too. Who's the plug? <laughs> so different now. Every block has a weed store. Yeah, I know. But even like in the '98, like you like you had to know you like it was like you you could get it delivered back in the day. Oh, I know that. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, you know. You lived I may here. have. I may have. You know. You might have delivered some weed to somebody. I don't know. Maybe. Um, <laughs> listen, New York's expensive. <laughs> Very expensive. Um, so. That's good. So then you Crush had kind of opened. You migrate over to Crush once. Yeah, 19. Okay. Six months after it opened. Okay. Uh, thought I knew a lot about wine by that point. Really dove into it at Pet Wines. Yeah. Uh, Morgan and Phil were like really great of course. tutors. And yeah. enthusiastically were teaching me about wine. Got to Crush, which is like very different. Pet, little neighborhood shop, great selection. Crush. Flashy, you know, Drew Nipron partner. Mm-hmm. Big, this like big serpentine wall of wine, back of the room cube. You know, kind of before like the glass paneled cellar became like really mm-hmm. hot, mm-hmm. they had the cube with rare vintage wines. And I was like, oh shit, I don't know anything about wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I got the job, stocking shelves, delivering yeah. wine. Yeah, nice. And so, I don't know, before we even record, I was saying, when I read the link, the you know, bio sent me, I was like, ah, oh, he fucking worked that crush. I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. Because for me, um, when I came in 98, like, there are certain stores. 98 is when you started working? 97, 97, yeah, 97. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, there were stores that, like, just were, like, crush was around them, but, like, like there was Acker, and like so many people like who have gone on to do shit started Acker. There's certain stores where people just totally. are are incubators and crush hundred percent. And where we're at right now with wine, like been on the show, Lyle Foss, one of the fucking funniest, most interesting, I incredible powers. I love Lyle. There's um, an argument of who hired me at Crush. Yeah. And Steve, it, Morgan put in a good word for me there. Yeah. Bitter off. Um Bomb Bowden. And and I'm like, I'm like, fuck. Like Bitter off like, left. Crush six months after I left to go full time on Bomb. Yeah. And like, you're like, and you see these pods or like I said, these incubated people work together. I'm like, oh. And so when I saw it, I was like, in, in the early aughts, that was the, the, that was the place. Crush was like. So vibrant. Launch pad for fucking people doing but shit. But young too. Well, well yeah. It's from, but like, you were young. I was the youngest. Right. I mean, but look where you're at now. You're about to turn 30. Um, bitter off. He's like 40. I mean, you guys are We were like, young. Yeah, we were young. Young guns. Enthusiastic. Yep. Lyle. Fast selections. Shout out to Bobby, who's the managing partner, because yep. he really let us. It was just an exciting time in one. Yeah, so yeah, talk about that because you know, this is uh we had we had a correction with the dot com kind of like in the market. Yeah, that was pre my time, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there was prices went down. Right. Yeah, like everything. But like what was it like you said damn, but you're stocking shelves at first, but what are you absorbing while you're working with these everything? People? It was it was like tasting wine on steroids, right? Because it was also the hot shop, you know. So everyone was coming through there to taste wines with the crew. 
and Lyle and Tom and Steven and Joe and Ian and Bobby. Oh, yeah, Ian. Fucking Ian. Jesus Christ. That's it. If you can get him on your podcast. I get his emails. I'm on the list. I can probably get Ian on. Yeah. Now, now that I've, I've had you on. Yeah. I've had you and Lyle and Steven. One yeah, I can. I'm like, oh, could you tell me? One of my Ian closest friends home? still. Yeah. Um, staying with him while I'm in New York. Nice. But, yeah. I mean, I remember, like, New Year's Eve, maybe three months after I started working there, you know, I'll never forget this bottle. You know, Bobby opens up an 82 Cristal. You know, and I'm just there. Yep. You know, Lyle's having me taste mineral-driven Pomerol. And I remember I smelled this wine and tasted it, and I was like, oh, it's minerally. And he's like, yes! <laughs> that Lyle way. Exactly. Very exuberant. Yeah, exuberant. Great word. You know, it was just, it was crazy. And it, that kept happening 19, 20, 21, just like absorbing we were doing cool stuff with writing, like yep. email blasts where Garagee started it, mm-hmm. but like selling wine by sending out an email, yep. which you know yep. a lot about Which that. I'm trying to tell people, more people need to be doing that. It's, 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 it's a grind. It's, it's easy money, actually. Man. Nah, I don't think anymore. Well, I think. A if, lot of emails in my inbox. I get a lot well, of offers yeah, for wine. But I do, but see, you gotta write emails. You can't just offer wine. Like, hey, I'm like, here's what we're offering. Tell a story. Tell a fucking story. Then that's how you differentiate yourself. Wine sales is wine storytelling. It is. It is. It's the best part about wine. Listen, man. Besides the drinking part. This is how I learned about wine at Acker. Michael Capon Johns. I was like, just go around the store and read the back of the bottles. Okay. That's what I started doing. So you read the story. Like, so then people come in. I have some shit like, oh, yeah, this Old Hill Ranch. It's like the vines are planted in the 1880s. It's absolutely delicious. It's, it's cool, wines. right? Right? And they go, oh, my God. I did a lot of fronting on not like tasting wine in my early days. Yeah, that's how you like. You I would read, read Parker. Yep. And yep. I would be like, oh, yeah, this wine's like, you know, probably a little young. Because <laughs> I looked at the drinking window. Exactly. And, they were, and like, because I looked older, like Stephen famously said when I was like rolled in there for the first time, because it was young. He. <laughs> Come on, you can say it. <laughs> he was like, he's like, sees me roll in and I'm the new guy. He's like, ah, oh, great. We got a grizzly, like old. We got an old veteran, veteran coming in. We need this Where'd guy. Where this guy come in? Coffee he, in he's hand. He's like a Morels guy. He's Coffee like a... in hand, case on the shoulder, cigarette. You know, <laughs> okay. like. And then you know, two hours later, he's like, "How old are you?" I'm like, "I'm 19." He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's a great place to work. I can only imagine. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's insane. Um, and so. You're friends with Morgan. He goes back. And when was the first time you went to visit him out in California to help out? Uh, or just when's the first time you went to visit him? And then when did you decide? I know you, you started going back and forth for yeah. harvest shit. Oh, five. Okay. With my mom. Okay. Oh, five, oh, six. Uh, Joel had bought Bedrock Vineyard by that point. Okay. So went out to Bedrock Vineyard. First vineyard <laughs> I ever went to was walking around 1888 vines burrito at the picnic table first good burrito i ever had probably cali burrito california mexican food bro mom out there and my mom like was supportive of the wine thing but also i think like there's a lot of money and pretension in wine still to this day yep so it didn't quite click and then she saw morgan walk in the vineyard and like picking up soil and like smelling it and all of a sudden i was like oh this is not just like this is cool and then first harvest I worked with Morgan was his second vintage, which was 2008. And I went out for, I don't know, three weeks. We had a much, short, much shorter harvest back then for Bedrock. And, um, 
Yeah, made one chicken coop with him, me and him. I, you know, slept on his couch. I love that. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I've been so lucky <laughs> in my life. Like Craigslist ad to then crush. I haven't written a resume since I was 19. Yeah, you are lucky. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's amazing. The, I the you know you come back to New York and it's it's my hometown, mm-hmm. and I never get to see everyone I want to, but I see a lot of people. New York's freaking by the way this week is crazy with the experience. It's here. insane. This week it's is too many people. Here it is. It is. It's, it's actually it's it's a, it, it's like it's a lot because there's so many people in town. I have had incredible mentors and supporters and people that were generous with their wine and time. Uh, just, yeah, every I feel very blessed with nice. the, all the people. And Harvest with Morgan in 08 is one of those moments where I was like, oh, wine comes from grapes and blood, sweat, and tears, and people farming and pe- picking grapes and working till one in the morning cleaning shit. You know, like winemaking is cleaning shit and moving shit. Exactly. You know, so that was an incredible experience for me. Oh, wait. So, and also Morgan, like, how is like talking about wine, how he was thinking about winemaking was really cool. And California wine in New York was not cool, right? Like, it was cult, like Harlan. Yeah, Harlan Screaming Eagle Screaming Eagle. But like, yeah. Kathy Corison, like, struggled to sell wine. That's who I You know need, what I mean? And I Morgan took me there yeah. and was like, no, this is the spot. Right. And like, but it just wasn't, the, it was a French, Italian, German market. So then like seeing California wine, tasting California wine, I was like tasting old California wine, tasting Joel's old wine from like the 80s and 90s. Like Cali started like getting into my blood a little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Morgan's doing bedrock and I need to have, you know, hope to get down with Morgan. Hope I can sit down with Joel. But like, so Joel bought Joel's the- got to come. Yeah, he has to. But I have to do mine first. Yes. It's going to be a six-parter. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Part, it's a six-part series with Chris. The Wine Consigliere with Chris Cadro, episode four. <laughs> you got the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who knew? I didn't know I, I didn't know I could modulate my own voice. Um, but, um, uh, and I just got to say this because it is, I mean, the once in future fucking wines, man. Whatever. She's fucking crazy. He's the... In my opinion, Fuck. some people would disagree and say Paul Draper is the goat, and that's not the wrong answer. But no, I think I think Paul, if you for Zinfandel is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Ridge Zins are amazing, but the Ridge, and I, you know, I love you guys, Ridge. Thanks for inviting me to the sixth anniversary. But I think, and I love the Zins, but like it's it's Montebello Cab that is really like you know, sure, um, but like. We, we joke all the time that like Morgan and I will hear about an old vine vineyard, mm-hmm. and like the chances are that either Paul Draper or Joel mm-hmm. Peterson worked with that vineyard are like ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so they're both great. Yeah. No, they're amazing. No, they are those they're, those iconic brands, man. Iconic. But yeah, Joel then got with Once in Future. Ravens it's old. Right. Worked a constellation for many years. And then part I'll take Morgan and I should take a little credit. We kind of convinced him to say, Hey, yeah. What if you went back to making the wines you were making, like style wise, literally vessel wise, mm-hmm. make the wines that you were make how you were making them back in like the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. So literally we have the original 
not the original original, but the redwood tanks that Joel ferments in his wines, and he does it in our winery. And That's gotta be freaking cool. It's amazing. Just, I mean, now with Morgan having a kid, now there's three generations. It's pretty sick. It's amazing. That's very cool. Um, all right, so you, you're coming. So after 08, you said that was a kind of like a monumental, like you're kind of really getting the whole California wine thing. Um, I mean, because you're working with Bitter Off, you're working with Lyle, I mean, you're working, you're working with Acid Heads, I mean, you're working with, you know, Burgundy. So many. But that's Burgundy, the thing, too, is yeah. this weird store of like German. DRC. Yep. German. LaPierre. Beaujolais. He, like, Auvernois, which is so rare now that people don't even know about it, but I would say the first ever Colt Jura wine. Mm. You know, Lyle. Mm hmm we were case stacking it and you can't find a bottle anymore. So that's, that's, that's the one thing we're like, well, back in the day we used to case stack that's that. That's what I mean. And, and, and you, you do feel that though. You're like, right? what the fuck? It's crazy. <laughs> it's not that, like, not that long ago. Yeah, it's not. But yeah, it, was a, it wasn't just like fancy wine. It was, <clears throat> you could go in there and buy a great $12 bottle of wine or you can go in there and buy a great $1,200 bottle of wine. Yeah. Which yeah. was cool. So you're you're working your way up there. So you, because people are peeling off, doing their own thing, and and so at at one point did you become, you were like a wine buyer, and you did some travel over there. You got to do some trips, and yeah, I was finishing up my degree, had not that many credits to finish, and then kind of met a lot of lawyers working there. Um, and you're like. I don't want to do this shit. Just a lot of them weren't happy. Th that's true. They, they, I'm, there were lawyers there that I met that were super happy. We'd give me their card, be like, hey, anytime you need advice, like, let me know. Yeah. But there's a lot of ones that were like. Well, I'd say I'm an actor. People were like, oh, man, I wish I did something cool like this. Yeah. I'm like, dude, but you fucking family owns this law firm. You make, you make right. seven fifty a year. Like, yeah, I a wish I did something. A big part why I was able to. I was able, because my mom was a big supporter of mm -hmm. me, plus financial aid. Um. I was able to make, by that point, 15 an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, like, when you're a lawyer and you want to change careers, like, making 15 an hour is yeah, kind of it, it ain't, ain't going to work. Man. So, you know, then, yeah, they basically liked me, and I was pretty good at selling wine and talking mm -hmm. about wine. And they were like, hey, do you want to have a full-time job here? And it was, like, enough money where I could pay my rent myself. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know get by in New York, because New York's expensive. Mm -hmm. And I took it. I, get, I always forget whether I was 21 or 22, but right right then I went full-time at Crush. That's good. I, I can see how it's going to be better tomorrow, but it's really fucking good. It's got acid, right? Yep. So that's the thing, right? Like People don't think of Zinfandel still to this day as being like a high-acid grape. But when it's picked at sane sugar levels and farmed right, right. and made focusing on freshness rather than ripeness... It's bright. It's energetic. I mean, it but, can age. but this is fifteen too. It's fine. It's got it's got the fruit, but like, yeah, so many of those like. Uh, is it labeled fifteen too? It's labeled fifteen too. So normally it's like but fourteen. Five. I was like, that's big for you guys. When I saw it, I was huge. Like, I, I was like, that's big for you guys. Got to open the bedrock too. Yeah, we could do that. Um, but it is the acid. Like, uh, which one did I? Which one did I have from Joel? Can't remember, but I'm gonna just digress. I know this one like uh, Hartford Court does a high wire, and it's just so high toned. Like for me, there's nothing high toned Zinfandel with that acid and that really that tension. So freaking good. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of things about Zinfandel and old vine vineyards in general, right? Because like, all right, this is labeled at fifteen two, right? right? But was it watered back? You know, and I, it, I'm at, you know, was I it picked at twenty eight? Yeah, and then, like, <clears throat> you know, I mean, Pinot at fifteen two. Ken actually, I have a good story about that, but Ken actually be okay. There's an exception. No, but I know. I'm saying tell you. St- but generally, generally speaking, because I mean, you know, it's not to my taste. Fifteen two Pinot, but like Zinfandel, fourteen and a half, kind of is where I find the sweet spot, mm-hmm. generally. But can be really balanced at that alcohol level and age, for years, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know where we're going with that. But we're just we're just going. <laughs> I like Zinfandel. It's age worthy. That was uh, that dawned on me nineteen ninety nine. Oh, I remember. Yes, before you talk about ninety nine. I think also Zinfandel based field blends or Zinfandel themselves show the. And this is kind of a Tegan from Turley line, but shows the most diversity of terroirs in California. That I you can travel that. the state really broadly. And Zinfandel does well in a lot of places and expresses the place uniquely. As long as you're not picking so late that you're picking raisins. Right. You know, when you you can go from, I mean, Bedrock Heritage that's here, three miles apart, different wines. Go Russian River Valley. Go Contra Costa. Go Lodi. Dry Creek. Dry Creek. You know, you can really travel the state via old vine wines. And that's what we do literally with our wine. Yeah. Which is awesome, which really it just tells a story. And back uh, to those stories. Oh, story. <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah, seventy six uh, or ninety nine. I was the assistant wine director at Sparrow over in Hoboken. I think I okay Sparrow. Yeah, you might know. You might have been there. I'm sure Armando has so many wines, at least the old vines in, which is always just killer. But. Um, I did a BYO dinner, and somebody brought a 76. So it's only, I mean, so it's what? It's 23 years old? Yeah, 23 years old. Sebastiani Zen from Sonoma, which was probably a fucking $5 bottle of wine when it was released in 19. Not expensive. Tastes like Bordeaux. California Claret. Exactly. People don't get, like, these old, especially these field blends, they can age for 30, 40, they can age forever. That's what they called it back then. They weren't trying to make <laughs> Zinfandel. Right. In the 1880s when these vines were right. planted, they were trying to make California Claret or California Burgundy. Yep. Varietal labeling didn't come into real fashion until like the 60s. Yeah, that's why people, that old jug, Burgundy, it's a lot of old vines in and that shit. People don't realize they're field blends. Gallo. Yep. There was a lot of good fruit going into the wine back yep. in the day. Yeah. No. Um, so let's talk about this phone call in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where more is like, Hey, we should make a wine together. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, originally I was like, Hey, let's make a petite Syrah that we'll never be able to drink. And it'll be for the grandkids. Like, which just I just, would love. Yeah, just, 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 just like, that's another one. I love petite Syrah, man. <sighs> and there's petite in this vineyard. Of course. Um, Durif. Mollard in this vineyard. Person, yeah. bunch of stuff out there. There's an unidentifiable grape out there. Genetic, no genetic math out there because we run genetics on a lot of these vines to find out, confirm or find out variety. But yeah, originally it was Petit Syrah structured, but then like all of a sudden the sparkling wine conversation came up because we both love bubbles and 
crush just like pet wines crazy champagne selection both big houses but also grower champagne or farmer fizz do you remember that Mm-mm. terry thesis oh yeah i do yeah I'm, cr- I'm old i've drink micro be- micro brews to craft farmer fizz to grow champagne you know that's so funny yeah I, i'm at that age man where i like <laughs> where you're killing it where, well thank you but like i remember like my friends like a buddy of mine we lived together in the city in 98 and he's like and he's like he's like yo um you know lauren i started dating her when we lived together so you make sure you remember her. and like she came up to me it's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, how's it going? I couldn't fucking remember her, man. I felt so bad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not that old, but I'm like, dude, I drank so much back then. Yeah. We were partying all the time. Yeah. I was like, come on, man, cut me some slack. And New York goes hard. Yeah, and it would listen. And, and I, this is just put this way. New York always has been and always will be bright lights, big city. Yeah. It's a different place. It's a different animal. I can't. <laughs> Dude, this week, the way people work, the way people go out. I'm in California now. Like, who was I talking to? Yeah, I was like, oh, I had uh, Malik Amrani on, who's the vice. And, but he's like, he's like, listen, he liked what he loves about California because he was a New York guy. He cut his teeth. Diageo made a lot of money. Saw one. He's like, dude, I have day drink all day, and then I'm in bed at nine. And I, I hate day up. drinking. But he's like, but I can go to bed at nine and get up at yeah. five. Yeah. And ride my bike and work. You know what I mean? Where where it's like the bars are open too late. Here. Yeah, that's even exactly, post COVID. Yeah, nothing good ever happens after two a.m. Two, maybe like one out of a hundred times. No, nothing. I mean, listen. Okay, we, generalizations are for a reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna get in trouble. But yeah, back in the day in New York, yes, sometimes you're hanging out and something good will happen after two. Let's put it that way. But ninety nine, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time, it's just troubles about that. Young <laughs> folks in the wine business in New York. Yes. Talking to my 14 or my go home at two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's over. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> I don't always follow this rule. No, I listen. The pandemic working. jacked me up, man, because I had a job. It wasn't in wide. It did like, and it was it was remote, but it wasn't like you can't do shit during the early pandemic. So it was like, oh, I like to stay up late drinking. <laughs> Forgot about that for like a long time. We decided to make sparkling wine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you decided to make sparkling wine. Yeah, he first was like, can't do it. Too hard. Expensive. Yeah. Where are we going to do it? But he was working with Brosso Vineyard for still in 09 and 10. And then started thinking about it. And he's like, oh, man, really low pH, which is important for sparkling wine. Really good acid. A lot of flavor at low sugar, which is like a big part of what we want to do with Under the Wire. And it's like, you know, it could be good for bubbles. He always said, like, the fruit was falling off the vine at like 21 bricks. Mm. And we're picking, you know, generally around 19. And then Rack and Riddle, big custom mm-hmm. bubble crush where you can bring wine to them and they'll do secondary for you. And yeah he was like you want to do it like sure we did it four barrels and it turned out pretty good and one of them you do you actually do a sparkling zinfandel that was 12 that was 12 yeah so then 12 by that point i had decided to leave crush yep very emotional decision but i morgan and i had 
talked for many years about maybe partnering up and making, you know, because I had put on the maybe the first wine dinner for Bedrock in New York. You know, I I, th- I wrote the first email, like national sale email, mm-hmm. like for 08 Bedrock Heritage or mm-hmm. 07, you know, and we sold like seven cases. And Morgan was like, holy shit, you sold seven cases. Um, you know, people had said like, you guys are a great pair. Yep. From Morgan's stepmom mm-hmm. to Josh Reynolds, RIP. Oh, Josh, we miss you. You know, buddy. he was, I remember at the winemaker dinner, it was at the Breslin in like 2010 or 11. And he's like, you and Morgan need to fucking work together. Like really work together. So yeah, and then 12, we expanded onto the wire because I was moving out there. Um, and we made Bedrocks in, yeah, which is our crazy, you know, most of what Under the Wire makes is Pinot Noir or Chardonnay, all single vineyard, mm-hmm. all vintage dated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Zin is kind of a wacky. But there's a history of Zinfandel being made in sparkling wine in California that no one really knows about. Well, you need to tell us about that, Jeff. So there's a guy, Arped Harristy, mm-hmm. who's Augustine Harristy's kid. Uh, Augustine Harristy was Buena Vista Winery. So the first... Buena Vista... Amazing fucking winery. People, there's bonded winery number one. Exactly. What Not the, the first fuck? winery in California. Yeah, Those were down right, south. Right. But first bonded winery in Sonoma, you know, history oozing mm-hmm. from its mm-hmm. veins. Um, his kid got into making sparkling wine with a wine label called Eclipse. This is like 1870-ish. Um, went to Champagne, studied in Champagne, came back and started making like a good chunk of method Champenois, method traditional sparkling wine in Sonoma, where Bedrock the Sonoma Valley. And in writing about making sparkling wine, he said that one of his favorite grapes to make sparkling wine with was Zinfandel. So there's a historical, because Zinfandel, when you pick it at sparkling wine levels from the ripe vineyards, if you pick it at 19 bricks and you look at the lab report, the pH total acidity is very similar to Chardonnay or Pinot. Mm-hmm. Now, originally, we wanted to make like a Lambrusco Zinfandel, just to sort of troll that would be fun, Joel's fun, dad but a little that would bit. Be, that would be fun. Yeah, but it's more like a Blanc de Noir rosé yeah. uh, from the 1888 Bedrock Vineyard vines, which like maybe our pet, you know, that was his hood, you know, like yeah. maybe, you know, let's <laughs> le- when the legend becomes fact, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's like our kind of cool outlier. Sparkling wine. But yeah, we made three wines in 12 and then grew it in 13 to six, added Hirsch. Shout out to Jasmine. Shout out to Jasmine. Got to work with that vineyard for four years. Nice. Um, added Alder Pinot mm-hmm. to go with the Shard. And then, you know, that was it. Now we still make, we make very little. It's like 800 cases over like six wines. Bedrock is the full time job. Under the Wire is like, 50-year project passion. Yeah. Yeah. Super dope. Super dope. And now, um, because you have been here and are going to be here and you're a little bit behind, I have poured into my glass. Let's talk about Sky Vineyards. I wanted to bring someone else's wine. Yeah. And I thought about bringing Cody, our assistant winemaker, or associate winemaker's wine, Desire Lines. I thought about bringing Katie Rouse, Bird Horse, her wines. Our viticulturist and vineyard manager, Jake Newstead. These are all like, there's so many, like I was saying, there's so many good people in my life that have gotten to me 
the point now that have been generous, but like people I work with now, whether it's directly at Bedrock or um, with the growers that we work with, mm-hmm. it's the che- it's very cheesy. But our corks say on the Bedrock wines, it takes a village to raise a wine. Super cheesy, but there's a large community of people that um, help us make wine and are part of our lives. Why do you think that is? I mean, because I I think when I talk to like every, there's always these pockets or pods like, you know, of people who winemakers tend to, from what I see, are willing to help each other out. There's a lot of, yeah, the wine business can be amazing with people. The best of the wine business is people helping each other out encouraging each other, mentoring, being part of a community. Um, I don't know what it comes from, where that comes from, but that's I see a lot of that. And I also think that it's important, Morgan's been really good about this, of like taking down a notch of like this winemaker of this like deity or like, you know, like, there's grape growers, there's people that work in the vineyards, there's the people that produce the bottles, pack the boxes, right? And yeah, so I don't know. I think one of the things that we're most proud of is like, one of the things that gives me the greatest joy is like seeing Cody's wine at Chamber Street, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he makes wine in our winery and we gave him this first ton of fruit to like just play with and now he has his own brand, so. I wanted to bring someone else's wine because I think Sky is a special place that not enough talk about. And this vintage, I saw it on a wine shelf in New York, oh, nice. 2017 Sky Syrah. And I was like, holy shit. It's floral. Yeah, let me get to that. Yeah, you want to want some? It's very floral. It's beautiful. Uh, planted on top of Mount Vitor, um, 1973 was the original planting, I think. Lori Olds. Now runs by his daughters Maya and Skyla, who are good friends. No power still at the winery up there. Um, it's a time I call it a time travel vineyard. Um, all the work is done by essentially Lori, um, dry farmed Syrahs in. This is the Syrah, and I one of the re- why I got so excited seeing this wine on a shelf. Which the wines I get most excited for aren't like fancy burgundies anymore it's like wines made by my friends or people i know Mm -hmm. and this 2017 was when the fires happened Mm. and we were the first winery since maya Kamas to buy sky fruit okay it's like the 70s wow it's this epic vineyard in napa 2000 feet it overlooks maya Kamas. they like look at each other and uh was picking syrah up there on a sunday because back in the day they only picked on Saturdays and Sundays because it was like friends and family picking grapes. It was like this whole like, mm-hmm. it was a vibe, man. Yeah. Like, it was a cool, like, picks at sky still, but particularly pre-fire were amazing. And uh, Sunday we picked these grapes for sky and for us. And then the next day the world lit on fire mm. and sky burned for a long time. Lori lost his house. Skyla's and Maya's uncle lost his house. And then the fire came down the mountain uh, to Old Hill and then burned Skyla's house. So 
Sky's recovering. Yep. Vines are still, some are not coming back, but a lot of the vineyards survive. Um, they lost their whole library of wine. Yeah, I, I, I remember a post about that. Uh, so yeah, so I saw 17 and I was like, holy shit, I gotta buy that and share it with a friend. Thank you. Um, Thank so you. we make wine, a little wine from Sky. Yep. You're not gonna see it out in the world that goes to our DTC list because everyone's like, oh my God, Sky. Sure. But it's, you know, Old Hill is a very special place to me and Sky mm -hmm. is a very special mm -hmm. place. Evangelo in Contra Costa County. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain vineyards where you really have like a strong connection to and I get excited about drinking those wines. Sky had one of the most epic pictures last year. Beautiful. It's though. beautiful. It is just lifted. Stunning. Yep, lifted. It's got all the, the uh, uh, floral aromatics. Um, they had one of the most, when it snowed last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the most epic pictures on Instagram yeah. was up at Sky. The, totally. That Mount Beter was, was. Mount Beter. Renee was, had a great one. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy day. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Um, Climate but, chaos, not change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this is yeah, day before the know. fire. Yeah, and look at that. But then you know, now it's like you know, you come back from like hard things. Nine eleven. You were in New York in nine eleven, right? No, I was in California, but I remember this. I remember I was in Santa Barbara, and I got up, and my girlfriend's brother was like, "Yo, your hometown's on fire." <laughs> on fire. Yeah. That's what they, on fire? That's how he said, that's what he said. So it's like your hometown's on yeah, fire. Yeah, because I remember it being like a plane hit the Trade Center. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's like a biplane. Yeah, and I was like, it's on fire. Huh. And, and go watch the news like, what the fuck? Yeah. And my, right. and my roommate from law school, his office was down on Chamber Street. He didn't go, I, I was like, dude, you fucking, you're like, and you couldn't call anybody because all the yeah. cell phone, it was, all, it was chaos. At school, day. it was a line to call to see where, yeah. you know, because <clears throat> I found out at school, you know, a lot of firemen and cop kids. Yeah. It was a rough, but same thing with the fires, right? Like. Yep. They're not the same, but like there's these like moments of like real tragedy or hardship that you suffer in, but then you also see community coming together. And that was I didn't think about fires right when I moved out there. There wasn't any fire, and then learned quickly. Yeah, um, I didn't think about fires or earthquakes when I moved out there. Yeah, like, you don't think about it. No, but I guess the point is is that seventeen was really rough. Twenty. Mm -hmm rough too mm -hmm. when those fires happened because it was also on top of the pandemic yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that but you know people get you come together and you get through it and sky survived we're making wine from there today yeah it's not the same but old hill survived yep um and luckily no one that's close to me lost their life mm -hmm. they just lost things mm -hmm. so yeah for sure. I'm getting all emotional here. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's a very sentimental it's, week for me it's, in New York. Um, you know, this is the place to do it. But old vines. Old vines. You know? Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. You know, Old Hill, you look at an Old Hill vine or an old vine, you know, that's 130 years old. I remember old. the first time I saw an old vine, I was like, oh, my God. It's crazy, right? Man, it's like it's this big. It's like this. That's small. It's I so mean, small. One of, like, that plant right there, there's Carignan vines that are that tall. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You can see an old vine, its arms. See the pruning cuts of seven generations literally in the vine. Have your existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's History. Amazing. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Morgan got into it, right? Like, yeah. Big part of what we want to do is historic preservation of these places. So. Yes. Yeah. 
Shout out to the Historical Vineyard Society. We, we're going long. Yeah, we are going long. I'm sorry. So I don't care. <laughs> I paid for this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's my studio. Exactly. We got wine. We're not, hey, engineer, we're not going nowhere. We got three more bottles of wine. <laughs> we just been sipping. There's three more. Exactly. <laughs> got to do the terroir conspiracy, comparison. Yeah. The Wine Consigliere, part six. <laughs> you know where that title came from? No, where did that come from? Uh, I mean, besides The Godfather. Yeah, I mean, that's, but I, my mom worked at the bakery okay. in Staten Island that baked the cake for the Godfather wedding scene. You know. I'm, I'm See, it was that was worth the whole time <laughs> y'all listen, right? The last you know, 95 be, minutes. I was going to be a lawyer. Exactly. This, 95 was, is that where I'm I don't know where I am. I'm just spitballing uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else going on today. Yeah, and I was going to be a lawyer, and I work, you know, Joel literally was been called the Godfather of Zen. Yep. So I don't want to say Morgan's Michael Corleone, but. Yeah, he's, well, he's you know, good, he's the kind-hearted good version. He did. Well, Corleone, Michael was kind-hearted till they tried to kill his yeah, father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know? he turned on him. He, he's like, no one uh, will want to kill Joel because no one has anything bad to say no, about Joel because no. he's, <laughs> he's a wonderful human being. Seriously. But you know, but you know, here, listen, listen. Morgan like went to the East Coast. Like I get out and they pulled me back in. Uh-huh. He had to come back home. Yeah, right? he's gonna be a history professor. Like history's mystery. There's history in these vines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You see it. You feel it. You taste it. Um, yeah. It's it's palpable in the wines. Just like when you're in Europe, you know? Yeah. They're old. We don't have a lot of you, old stuff in California. Really old stuff. So right. these 130-year-old vines are like. I was going to tell people, you need to go visit the old Zen. They're, they're field blends and Zins. The Cabernet vines are not that old. There's, not, there's some old vine Cabernet. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. McDonald, some. Monticeo. There's yeah, Monticeo. But, but like. You, Not eighteen eighty. Well, we actually have eighteen eighties Cabernet at Bedrock, which right. I think is the oldest fine Cabernet in the world, but, tied, tied with Penfolds. But yeah, it's rare. But, but it's rare. But you just start driving around Sonoma, and you're like, you're like, what's that? That's an old vine Zinfandel. It's very Billy. easy to see. It's yeah. very easy to see, and it will change how you view these wines. You really need to be drinking more Zinfandel. And Harder I, to farm. Produce less. Can't just prune them. You got to know how to prune them financially. They can be difficult to, for economic sustainability. It's a battle. You know, old vines are under threat in a lot of places in California for different reasons. Evangelo Vineyard, it's people wanting to build warehouses. Out I know. What the fuck? It sucks. It's bullshit. But we bought it and we're thank fighting you, Thank for you it. for doing that. Yeah. Because <clears throat> um, that was, uh, I remember following that like in Wine Biz Daily. And, for oh. people that know Evangelo, people that don't know, Evangelo is. Vines planted in the 1890s. In Contra Costa, it's sand, Contra right? Contra Costa, pure beach sand. Yep. The city of Antioch, which 100,000 people. There's, is that the one with the power lines? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It's next yeah. to a power plant, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Across the street is the Riverview Motel with no view of the river. <laughs> and nothing good going on after 2 a.m. in the Riverview yeah. Motel. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, one of the most unique terroirs and vineyards in the world. Owner of Vines, Karen Morved Zinn, on 40-foot banks of beach sand. Yeah. Windy as hell. Super low pH, the f- amazing wine. So it's worth fighting for. And what's the fucking one that's on the side of the one on one you guys do? Oh, Nervo. Yeah, Nervo. That's a steep vineyard. Oh yeah, that's a real steep. Not that steep as Jackass, but yeah, we so we own vineyards, and then we have leases on vineyards where we don't own the land, but the farming operation at Bedrock. Like shout out to Jake, shout out to Casey, and Morgan's like obsessed with farming. 
that's like well, that was that his thesis master of wine what was his thesis yeah on? it was on yeah because he's a master of wine he is a master of wine which is badass yeah um it was and he on. ain't just writing books. And not not to diss anybody who's doing that. I mean, he's, he's making wine. He's making wine. There's not a lot of, just like there's not a lot of MSs working the floor. Right. You know, Anymore. which I get. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. You get that letter. Yeah. I get not wanting to work till two in the morning. Yep. Because bad things happen after two in the morning. Bad things uh, But no, I mean, he wrote it on, um, not a lot of winemakers that are MWs. Right. Um, he wrote it on the history of old wine field blends, how they got planted. Because a lot of people think it was random. But there was actually a lot of thought in the 1880s put into what to plant after Phylloxera happened, right? Phylloxera mm. happened, wiped out the vines in California. Um, most of California was planted to Mission. And then after Phylloxera, it switched to Zinfandel. It, it was literally like 80% 1880 Mission, 80% Zen. Mm-hmm. So it was all about the history of how that transition happened and what varieties were planted where because of why. A lot of historical research. It was a historical research paper. So that education didn't go to work, Papa Joel? <laughs> no. <laughs> Papa Joel, or Farfar, as uh, Is that what, uh, his JP, JP calls him? Farfar, no. <laughs> JP is Morgan's kid. Joel Peterson. I, was, I figured it was Joel, yeah. I call him JP. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> you know it's some shit when you name your son after your father, not after you. That's pretty good. I think that's healthier, maybe. Yeah. Juniors are tough. But maybe I'm a junior. Well, are you father, junior? I am a junior. Did you go by junior growing up? No, MJ. Right. Cause my JP. Fa- yeah, because you, like, you were like, who's that? I'm right. coming to see MJ. I was like, that's my father. I heard your legal name. Yeah, that's my father. First time I heard your exactly. legal I tell name. people, like, okay, if, <laughs> call me MJ if you're writing a check. You better use like, my name. But no, because, because uh, yeah, there's there's three people with my name. My father, and then I have a cousin who's five years older than me. And so uh, MJ is my initials, and that's what my mom used to call me. And so when she, she passed in 2019... I was like, I'm going by MJ because I will never be called MJ if I don't claim it at this point. You know what I mean? Wasn't there a commercial where a guy's like named Michael Jordan and he shows up places and everyone's disappointed? Well, I tell people all the time. People, <laughs> are, like, people are like, oh, Michael Jordan. I'm like, or Michael Jackson. I'm like, no. no. I said, I said uh, Michael Jackson. I'm pretty sure Michael Jackson calls him Michael. And I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan calls him Michael. Not Mike. Michael, go do this. That's I, like, But it was like, because there was two people with this name in the house, he was, I was, I was MJ. Yeah, you know. So, um, so I, I tell people they're, they're they're not MJ. That's the world. That's I said you are what your mama call you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm Christopher then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my cousin. <clears throat> yeah, one of my cousins called me that too. You know, um, and I always ask people like I have friends named Ron. Mom calls mom called him Ronald. Yeah, not Ronnie. Yeah, Ronald. Respect the moms. You know, and. And they're the authority. And there's a, this is the this is the digression for you guys. Uh, I remember the story about Lawrence Fishburne, because who I love the Matrix movie. But Lawrence Fishburne, I think his first he was in a movie called Cornbread Earl and Me. When he was little, but then he was like 16. He worked on Apocalypse Now. Real? Oh, wow. Yeah. God. Yes. Amazing. He's movie. been around forever. One of my favorites. But he worked with this older black actor. I can't remember his name, but he's very distinguished. Uh, Roscoe Lee Brown. And he was on this movie, and he, and he said, and so they were calling him Larry. And he's like, young man, what did your mother name you? And he said, Lawrence. Then you go by Lawrence. So that's when he started being Lawrence Fishburne. 
instead of Larry, Larry Fishburne. He, they used to call him Larry Fishburne. And then he, this older black man, actor, he, he respected, said, your name is Lawrence. And then he became Lawrence Fishburne. It worked out. And the rest is history. Good brand. Yes, it is a good brand. Boys in the Hood, starring Lawrence Fishburne. The Matrix, Lawrence Fishburne. I should have, yo, Lawrence Fishburne, you drink wine? I'll bring the wine. Just come talk to me, bro. I'll slide into his DM. Yeah, do, I'll yeah. do my best for you. Dude, okay, cool. <laughs> that was my move. That's how this whole thing got started. Is that really? Three years ago. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you guys. We're actually recording this on October 20th, 2023, and we dropped the first three episodes of the Black Wine Guy Experience on October 20th of 2020. I had recorded three, put them in the bag. Uh, shout out to, it was, it was, it was Dustin, Wilson, Mary Taylor, Mary Taylor Wines, and then I think it was, was Shakira, Shakira Wilson, who was um, who's on Psalm TV. But yeah, it was my first few episodes, and I recorded those, dropped them. So happy anniversary to the Black Wine Guy Experience. Thank you guys all for listening. Congratulations. Thank you so a much. Huge accomplishment. It's not um, easy. It's not easy. Booking guests. Booking guests. That's a hell of a first three, though. I think, yeah. I mean, and we're like with with extra content. I'm like well over 150 episodes, and it went <laughs> the IG lives. I probably have done over fucking close to 300 interviews. It's a gift to the wine world what you're doing. Thank like, you. And I, I'm, it's yeah. Thank I you. Love these podcasts. I mean. Thank you. It means a lot. It was like, but that's where I got into podcast listening and like the stories that you've told. And it's like, not just like the usual wine. Like, I feel like I'm a little more of a usual wine story. Yeah, I tell people, listen, go, there's it's some a, great wine a, podcasts, you know. Um, but that, like you, you have your own perspective. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're good at it. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, Keep brother. doing it, please. I, I will. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my wife, I will keep, keep doing this. All right. So listen, man, um, we're going to play a little game. Um, it's called Slap, Lick, and Fondle. What? Slap, Lick, Fondle. I'm going to give you three wines. You slap. You, one you slap means, you okay. know. And not like slap that ass is like slap. Get out of here. Okay. Or if you if you want to justify, you could say, no, I got to slap that ass. I'll accept. That's also an acceptable answer on this show. <laughs> uh, one you lick. Okay. And one you fondle. So I'm going to give you three grapes. All right. I'm going to try my best. I know. Three grapes. You ready? Syrah, Zinfandel, Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's not supposed to be. Who you slap? Cabernet slap. Okay. Uh, I love Cabernet. I love old Bordeaux. I love old Napa Cab. But I think that the price premium generally on Napa Cabernet is a little excessive for me. Um, I think Champagne is the number one like quote unquote wine brand in the world. Mm -hmm. Napa Cab has become like a wine brand. So totally, I want to, and I think the price disparity between like a hundred and thirty year old old vine field blend and like what a pretty regular thirty year old vine Napa Cab five hundred percent new oak five year old hundred percent new oak cropped at six yep. tons an acre, yep. farmed conventionally made in a very manufactured sort of way is, you know, $50 a bottle. It's crazy. Uh, what was it? Fondle and... Lick. Like What's the difference? Like, what do you... Like, <laughs> I never mind. I'm just the never one mind. who said, grab them in the biscuits. <laughs> grab them in the biscuits. <laughs> and then just like, oh, just like, oh, I just want... I want to... What do you like to lick? I want to lick and fondle both. 
Because yeah, Syrah is the most underrated grape. <clears throat> well, one of the most underrated grapes in the world. More celebrated in Rhone now. That became a whole thing. But California is super underrated. And then Zinfandel. I mean, that's where it all started. I'm going to lick, fondle, hold yeah. it, yeah. cuddle it. You know. You're like, tell me you love me. Zinfandel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Don't also. Don't do me this way. I love you. <laughs> Zinfandel needs a little love still. It does. You know, it's a confusing variety. Just like Syrah. Syrah can be anything you want it to be. It can be 11% super yep. clean or it could be massive. Mr. Boombastic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That didn't answer your question. I kind of it dodged. Did. No, I dodged I, but you know what? It was a good dodge. Thank you. <laughs> I, I it, Listen, I'm the judge here. Okay. <laughs> that was an acceptable answer. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That was well played. You should have. You could have been a lawyer, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have been. If the grape don't quit, then you must lick. <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure something out. I wish I would have become an accountant. That's way more useful in the wine business. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> last question. What are you most excited about in the future or for your future? <sighs> yeah. Long pause. Um where the wine industry going in general, where Bedrock and Under the Wire is going to fit into that, hopefully continuing to like make the wine industry better, mm -hmm. like not just for us, but for like the community of wine. I think the wine industry still has a lot of work to do mm -hmm. in farming, in diversification, in how we treat the people that don't get celebrated as much in the wine business. In so many different ways, the wine business still needs to like look at itself and get better. It's gotten a lot better. Um, and then also seeing the people that kind of are in our universe, mm -hmm. you know, like starting from Cody, you know, the people that work for us with their own brands, the people that intern for us every year. Like right now, I feel a little guilty that I'm in New York because they're still, harvest is still going because yeah. it's a very late harvest. So like the interns every year are crucial to making wine and in every winery essentially, unless there's like that winery with one person. So like seeing the people that came through, Sam always said it's Bedrock University. <laughs> As he it. coined that term. So like nice. seeing all these interns like go off and become successful in the wine business. Um, I love seeing that sort of stuff. So continuing to like work on ourselves and what we do and refine things. We had this like big jump. And then now it's like refinement period, which is really actually exciting, even though it's not really like sexy. And then like hopefully improving the and seeing the industry continue to progress in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, seeing what like the people that are more direct in our universe go on to do. Cause like Jake made a sherry in California. Fuck, nice. Like a Fino sherry. Right. Like it's tiny, it's the most allocated wine in California right now. But like he pulled it off. Like you know how exciting that is? And, and did he use Palomino? Yeah, from Evangelo. Yeah, I know because Kent Rosenblum made a uh, just a Palomino wine one time that we had. Wait. We Really? From Contra Costa? Yes. So I knew it. I was like, it's got to be Palomino from Contra Costa. Yeah, yeah, probably. It had to be. When you said Fino, sure, because I, I know there's Palomino in Contra Costa. Yeah, yeah. we have it at Evangel. Yeah. It produces crop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Palomino's a That's producer. so cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, Anyways. It gets around. I'm excited for a lot of things. Mostly I'm excited to open another cork with you before I leave. Sweet, man. Oh my God, this was so much fucking fun. We're ending right at 420. 
It's pretty, pretty, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Um, Chris, tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing at Under the Wire and Bedrock Wine Co. Bedrockwineco.com, underthewirewines.com, uh, Bedrock on YouTube. Uh, we do some really cool videos. Um, Bedrock Wine Conversations, where we talk about our wines sometimes, and then we interview people. Um, I think that's that's sufficient. That's sufficient. Yeah. Okay, listeners out there, don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode. You'll find info on the wine we drank. I'll put links to uh, their YouTube, their IG, and uh, I'm a th- I'm gonna throw Sky in there because we do love show Sky some love. Thank you. For Anyone that me. has wine from uh, Sky from. 74 through 2004 i'm your best friend there you go <laughs> yo and listen if you do i mean now i'm like let's do some good like you know you could sell it back to me at the price they sold it to you they would probably take it <laughs> or you could donate it you could actually donate it. you were in au- you worked at auctions right? yep this guy comes up to auction from that era i'm not putting my hand down yeah <laughs> <laughs> people are like why is this guy hand up like anyway <laughs> oh my god um Thanks again, Chris. Ah, uh, thanks for having me. This is Dude. so much fun. I could talk to you for another. Like, I know, seven hours. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I was like, shit. I did say I was gonna be home by a certain time, but this is so much fun. This is another. This is one that I'm really happy we got. I love every guest I have, but this has been a fun one. Right week, right, right time, right guy. Until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks, philosophers, deep thinkers, only wine drinkers. Your boy MJ saying peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.